You're listening to the St. Mark Bemidji Sunday Edition Podcast. This podcast features a replay of our Sunday sermon, or on occasion, a sermon from another well sister church. Many people think that God's mission needs a gimmick. Maybe it's a program geared for children, or couples, or young adults. Maybe it's a program that teaches you to be a good steward with your money, with a Christian twist on it. The truth is, the world, including the community you live in, only has one thing needful. And that thing is Jesus, what he did for us, and his word given to us in the Bible. It's not to say that there aren't good things about these kinds of programs, but God's word stands on its own merit. It's beautiful, imperfect in form and function all by itself. And it's for you. Yes, you, behind the fourth wall there. So, if you're here today, that's what you're going to hear God's word and a meditation on it. If you enjoy it, you might also enjoy our weekday devotions, which you will automatically get if you subscribe to the podcast. Additionally, you might consider sharing it with a friend. Each and every podcast has a share link in its description, which can be found in that same podcast app you're listening to right now. I've tried to make the link to it obvious. Let me know if it isn't at john.kirk at stmarksbemidji.org. Share God's word, because God wants us all to come to be with him forever. The sermon for today is from our home church in Bemidji, and it's titled, Where the Lord Is. And if you want to follow along, it's based upon a reading from Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior, from whom every good and perfect gift comes. Amen. When Jesus heard what had happened... He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Well, what happened? What made Jesus draw draw away from people and go into solitude on a boat? Maybe you know already. If you don't, what happened was his cousin... The man prophesied from the Old Testament, the voice of the one in the wilderness calling, prepare the way of the Lord. The last Old Testament prophet pointing ahead to Messiah. Jesus' friend, his co-worker, the teacher of many of his own disciples, had been executed. Why? Why? Because he called out the king. He called out Herod. Herod wanted to have this incestuous relationship with somebody in his court and a young dancing girl was coerced to ask for the head of John the Baptist as a gift. Everybody knew about it. The disciples, Jesus, the people in the, in the crowds that were gathered there, they knew about this mess that was going on at the royal palace. That this 
seemingly great man, John the Baptist, this excellent preacher and teacher of the gospel, had been murdered at the whim of a twisted and corrupt king for speaking the truth, for pointing to Christ, for afflicting his conscience, John was killed. And with, when Jesus withdraws, we see our Savior on a really human level. This is a guy he grew up with. Wasn't all that much older than him. Probably played around in the streets when they were little boys. Somebody that Jesus no doubt considered a friend, a co-worker, the guy who, was, who baptized him. And you can imagine that Jesus, no doubt, in the unfairness of what happened with John's circumstances of death, we no doubt know that Jesus saw a little bit of foreshadowing into what would happen to Himself. So He was deeply emotionally affected by this, as were His, his own disciples. As I said, former disciples of John were now following Jesus. You can imagine that they were upset. And as the crowds gather around, you know that they all knew about what was going on here. They're full of questions. Especially the disciples. Is following Jesus worth it? If that's the cost? If what we know and what our lives can so easily be undone by following this guy, is it worth it? Or maybe the deeper question, and the one that we're driving at today, is Jesus really the Messiah? He's his own cousin. A co-worker in the Gospel. You think He could have done something to you know, help Him out? If He is really the Son of God, but He lets Him die at the whim of this evil king? Where is the Lord in this? I want to speak to the context of the, obviously the big looming thing is the feeding of the 5,000. But that alone doesn't really make a whole lot of sense without understanding the context of this event that Matthew highlights. Because this withdrawal of Jesus into a private place and then the subsequent miracle that follows, the point is simply this, that it's, it's during the hard times of life, whether through trial or through tragedy or one of life's many conflicts, that it is hardest to trust in the Lord. We might be filled with many of the same, uh, much of the same fear and questions as the disciples. Whether we say it out loud or not, we always, as, as Christians, we carry around our sinful nature with us that's filled with nagging doubt and often leads us to wonder as we watch the world's events or the things that play out in our own lives, where is the Lord in all this? Where is He leading me? Where is He leading us if I can't see the way up or out or through? These doubts and fears aren't unique to you and me. They're not unique to Jesus' disciples. No, this is the song of our people. You go through the Psalms and the psalm writers sing multiple times, out of the depths I cry to You, Lord. From the bottom of the heart, out of the depths I cry to You, Lord. Maybe from the front of a TV screen as you watch some tragedy play out 
on the world stage. Or maybe from the polling booth as you're sitting there thinking to yourself, is this even worth it? I can vote my conscience one way or the other. Is it even worth it? Does it even count? Out of the depths I cry to You, Lord, from the bottom of an empty bank account, from an argument on social media, from the daily news, out of the depths of the hospital room, I cry to You, Lord. Out of the morgue, I cry to You, O Lord. Out of the cemetery dirt, I cry to You, Lord. It's moments like that, moments of doubt and fear, when it gets hardest for a Christian to practice what it is we preach. Because the devil wants to make us ask that question, where is the Lord in this if I can't see Him? That's really what we're getting at and driving at this morning as we consider the miracle that's in the text in front of us. Because it's the answer. The answer comes from where it always has. In the Gospel, we just read how Jesus shows His weak, doubting, fearful disciples affected in the heart with the death of John the Baptist and indeed all the people in the crowds that day. He shows them where the answer is. He performs that miracle that shows that, that, only the, that only the Creator God could do. Only He could do this. Jesus shows Himself to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The true leader, the true King of Israel. Great David's greater son. He performs a miracle that should have set off all the bells and whistles in the minds of God's people on that hillside that day when He feeds 5,000 from a few loaves of bread and some fish. Because in an instant, he shows himself to be greater than any prophet that came before him or will ever be. He feeds 5,000 people and in doing so, he uses all those surrounding circumstances. The, the death of John the Baptist. The fear and the doubt of the crowds, of his own disciples. These hungry people, all of it. He uses it to show that he cares for his people. From the greatest of things right down to their rumbling tummies. There's nothing that's beyond God's grace or goodness. And this whole event points to this. Are you tired? Are you grieving? Are you sad? Are you weak? Are you fearful? Are you doubting? Are you hungry? Here He is! Jesus waves His arm. Here I am. This is where you come to get fed and restored on all of these fronts. Now, sure, Pastor, but we haven't seen anything like that. We haven't had a miracle of bread and fish feeding our whole congregation, much less 5,000 people. Now, consider this for a second. When we go through catechism class, and we study the first article of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. In that section of the Catechism, we learn at length about something that we call the masks of God. Does it sound familiar to some of you? Masks of God. There's three of them. Family. The government. And the church. Those are the masks that God wears. He works through those institutions. 
So what, what do we get out of those things? Well, through the family, I think it's pretty obvious. A family that, uh, the, uh, a family feeds and clothes and houses and loves those who belong to it, provides shelter and safe harbor and support and love and care. That's the blessing. And when we see those things in a family, that's the face of God. The government, on the other hand, protects and leads its people, administers justice and the rule of law for the benefit of society. When we see that carried out responsibly and in good measure, that's the mask of God. That's a face of God. Working through that in, in, in the way that He intended it. And the church leads the people by the Word, provides a support system for Christians to feed their faith, to reach out to the lost, to teach the Word, to minister to those who are sick, dying, and fearful. All those things in their place put there by God for the benefit of all people. And when we see the good that comes out of those institutions, there the Lord is. God the Father Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth, the Controller of all things who provides and directs and, and, and governs everything. Just as He did on the hill that day. As He showed concern to that whole crowd with bread and fish. Where is God? God is where all good blessings are in life. And permit me a, an example from this past weekend. It's kind of silly, but it makes the point. Took a little day trip over to Duluth, and we went over there to see the zoo. And while we were there, we got done with the zoo, and we came back, and we decided that we were going to walk over the lift bridge. Have you done this? Um, anyway, if you've ever been over it, you've noticed that there's um, some gaps that are in the... Um, you know, this like anywhere from a foot to about six inches of gap that runs between the steel girder and the actual bridge. Anyway, we were walking along, we were pushing the stroller along, and we moved over a little bit um, to allow some people to pass us, and the cup holder containing um, my wife's wallet with the keys for the car in it went choop, straight through one of those holes. Now what? We're sitting there, we're kind of freaking out, um, making a bunch of phone calls, um, trying to, to find some way to, to remedy this situation, because that was our way home. <laughs> um, and you know what they say, Lake Superior never gives up her dead. Um, so there we are, sitting there looking at, uh, at you know, what seems to be an impossible situation. How in the world are we going to get out of this? Um, well, we walked over the bridge, and on the way back, as we came back over the bridge, we thought, well, hey, let's just look down through the gap just one more time, see what happens. And we looked down, and there, perched precariously on the edge of one of those steel girders underneath the bridge was that wallet. And I thought, it, it, I mean, it's just beyond arm's reach. You know, so what do you do? Pick up your kid and, like, lower him down? <laughs> like, you know, it, the thought went through my mind. Um, but no, so we ended up calling the fire department. Um, government agency um, figured that they would come and help. And they did. They did come. And, but, um, just a little side note, um, as they were walking up the bridge, or up to the bridge, um, all of a sudden the bells and whistles start going off. And we're sitting there at, at, on, the, on the ground um, and just watching this bridge go up as the ship passes through, just hoping 
that by some miracle it doesn't like jolt or bounce because if it did, that thing's going in the drink. Um, anyway, it went all the way up, however high it is, and it came all the way back down and the firefighters found it and they got it. And if they didn't, we'd still be in Duluth. Um, the point is there, that, I mean, is that not, as I sat back and thought about that in, in the light of the word of God for today, isn't that a mask of God? I mean, there you have a government agency, you call on these people for help, and where would they be? Where would we be without, without them? Um, that's a, a perfect good example of the mask of God showing itself in our daily life. Um, there you have a, a perfect example of, of how, how it can help, of how the government is there to help its people. But there's more to it, though. And a Christian knows that there's more to it. Because God also takes the mask off. He calls to us, and he knows that we are that he calls to us that we might see him as he is. How he's revealed himself to us. First of all, we find the Lord where he tells us he's gonna be, right here in his word. Either the Christian sitting there on the couch reading the Bible alone, or right here, wherever two or three gather together in his name. There he is with them speaking to us in the law, reminding us that we are sinners, correcting our wayward consciences that so often go astray, calling us back to repentance in Him, that we might be filled with the peace that can only come from the Gospel. Sins forgiven. At peace with God. We find the Lord where He tells us He will be in the Word. And in the simplest of things, not in some fire written in the sky or some grandiose miracle that only a few have access to, but in the simplest thing, this Word and the water connected together. There the Lord is in baptism as He uses that miracle to call to faith, to bring from spiritual death to life, and that unshakable promise of eternal life in Him. The Lord is in baptism. A miracle before us today is greater than the dividing of fish and bread, believe it or not. Where Jesus multiplies Himself infinitely over the world around His true body and His true blood here with us. We can't divide the human and the divine nature. It's not just lip service. It's not just a, a, a trick. It's Jesus saying, this is My body and this is My blood. There He is. There He is with us. In the simplest of things, bread and wine. It doesn't taste like blood. doesn't taste like flesh. doesn't matter. This is what the voice of God said it is. This is what He is. This is what He's here to do. Why? To personally assure you that that body and that blood given and shed was done for you Personally, there is no more divide. There is no more hostility. There is no revulsion of God looking down upon the dirty, rotten sinner. It's been paid for in Christ. So there is no more guilt to be born or grudge to be had. You are at peace with God. Your sins are forgiven. You can depart in peace. As the end of the communion liturgy goes. When I was a little kid, I always thought, what does that mean? Depart in peace. Does that mean like you can go die now? No. It's not just a blessing either. That is a command. Depart in peace. Amen. It's telling us that we can't stay here. 
You've received the forgiveness from Christ. You've been reminded personally that you are at peace with God. You've, for, you've had the foretaste of the marriage banquet in the, uh, of the Lamb in heaven. You know that peace. It's yours. But you can't stay here. You can't stay here. You have to go. No more than the disciples could stay up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus says, no, we've got to go down. I have work to do. I have to go die on the cross. And you're coming with me. You can't stay here in this moment in communion with the Lord. It's a blessing to us, but we know that on this side of glory, we must go back out those doors. Depart in peace. It's a command. Go take the forgiveness of sins and the peace and the eternal life that you know. And go take it to a world that you know needs it. To people that you know need it. Go out there. Because you know where the Lord is found. In every good and perfect gift in the world. In every wonderful blessing. Most importantly, He's here in His Word. He's here in baptism. He's here in the sacrament. So go. You know. You know. Go sow the seed. Cast the net. Share the wedding invitation with the greatest and the least on the highways and the byways with all of those who are affected by trial or tragedy or fear or doubt or mourn who are filled with guilt or shame. Tell them. Tell them where the Lord is. Amen. We hope that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Divine services are held right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. Our church services are live-streamed at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings and are available afterwards on our channel, St. Mark Lutheran Church, Bemidji. If you're listening or watching this podcast, you are cordially invited to join us in person next week and every week. This is our fourth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarkbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. You can also search for St. Mark Bemidji on YouTube to find our channel. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again, www.stmarkbemidji.org. All scripture readings are taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 2011, and are used by permission from Zondervan. Meditation's daily devotional is published by Northwestern Publishing House and is also used by permission. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider subscribing and telling a friend. May God bless the rest of your day. Hey there, parents. Are you on the lookout for a fantastic school in the Bemidji area that embraces Christian values? Well, look no further. Introducing St. Mark's Christian Day School, where education meets faith in an extraordinary way. At St. Mark's, we get it. We understand that your child's education should be rooted in God, compassion, and unwavering faith. Our experienced team of dedicated educators are here to provide a top-notch education to students in grades K-8 through that nourishes the mind, heart, and soul. With small class sizes and a personalized approach, we create a safe and dynamic environment where your child can explore the God-given talents and excel academically. Our teachers integrate biblical principles throughout the day, ensuring your child grows into a compassionate and morally grounded individual. Our students are also able to participate in extracurricular activities with the Bemidji School District. For more information about St. Mark's Day School, call John at 218-444-3939 or at principal at stmarksbemidji.org.